is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. I am John Bucks coming to the mic from Holiday in Los Angeles with my family from a small Airbnb. And joining me, as always, is Brian Chin, who is also on the road and is recording from his home state of Wisconsin. How are you? Hey, John. Good to hear from you. You know, we are road warriors. We don't take L's on the road, so we pod wherever the pod takes us. So good to see you on uh, the West Coast, hopefully enjoying some sunshine. I'm here in sticky Wisconsin, middle of the uh, summertime here, but good to catch up with family and enjoy game week two with some friends uh, um, on both coasts. Yeah, and we both as FPL managers certainly enjoyed game week two with another massive score. Brian and I are looking pretty and we're looking pretty smart as FPL podcasters because our performance on our mini league is right at the top. Game week two is officially complete and it was another goal filled match week. So Brian and I had a great showing. Brian ended up on 81 and is in second place in our mini league FPL blues podcast super league. And he's looking really strong. So Brian, let's show people what this podcast is all about and discuss how your team performed. Yeah, after a blazing game week one, I'm very happy to turn that around and get 81 points in game week two. I'm off to a great start, uh, sitting at about 85K overall. So one of my better starts to start a season and just go through my lineup right here. Sanchez and goal, six point clean sheet for Brighton. Simikas and Trent Alexander-Arnold double up with 11 points and 12 points respectively. That was huge. Shaw with a random four-pointer um, who got two bones. I'll take that. Ailing with one-pointer. He was uh, a little disappointing. And then in the midfield, had some blanks from the captains. You hate to see that, but it looks like everybody's captain blank this week. So um, Salah ends up with six points as my captain. Mares was my vice captain, who also ended up on six points, even though he only played 15 minutes. And Fernandez with one. Womp womp. Greenwood, who has been huge for both of us, 10 points on Max Bones after the game-tying goal versus Southampton. That was huge. And then up front, 24 points from my two strikers. Mr. Antonio, 16 points. Massive for me. And Danny Ings with the eight-pointer. You love to see that. So really, really happy with this result. And I got two free transfers that are burning a hole in my pocket. I will say the downside right now is I only had two points on my entire bench. So I have flags all over the place. I got players who don't play, and I'm going to have to address that because Simikas is unlikely to start this upcoming game week. So I'm in all sorts. My mind is everywhere. I have no idea what I'm going to do this week for transfers, but let's save that for later. Bucks, how did you do? I think you bested me this week, actually. Yeah, I had a another great game week. I had 83 points uh, following up my 100-point total last week, so... I'm towards the top of the FPL Blues podcast Super League table as well, Um, nipping at Brian's heels as chasing down some of the other top managers. And my team squad looks relatively similar to Brian's. Again, Sanchez and goal with a clean sheet for six points. Then I had TAA, Simikas, 12 and 11. And then Luke Shaw with four points kind of undeserved uh, two bonus points that he got in addition to playing the full 90. So we'll take it in my midfield. Yeah, very lucky. We'll take any points we can get. Uh, Midfield was Mo Salah was my captain. He got three, so that becomes six. And then Bruno, who was my vice captain, very nervously watching him get a lowly one point. Uh, But otherwise, the team really (laughs) performed. Greenwood had 10 points had an amazing goal and and bonus points, as Brian mentioned, and then Rafinha with a late goal as well. So he had seven. So And then just to wrap it up, my forward line, Mikel Antonio, massive 16-point haul. He had two goals, an assist, and bonus points. Love to see that. And Danny Engs with eight points. And then a, a player who we're going to discuss later, I think he's in a lot of FPL managers, crosshairs about what to do with him at this point in time, is... Ivan Tony from Brentford, he had two points. He blanks again, and he's a player we had a lot of optimism for coming into the season from Brentford, the newly promoted side. He hasn't really hit the ground running as of yet, uh, despite Brentford going for six points in their first two matches. He's failed to deliver from an FPL perspective. 
Yeah, I think they actually have four points because they drew versus Palace, but nevertheless, they have not lost, but have not kind of hit the ground running from the championship. I think it's interesting to note that next season, when we look at the promoted teams, maybe it's a wait and see. I see a lot of teams with, you know, the likes of Saar or uh, Mbuemo or Tony, and they, you know, they're going to be up and down as they reacclimate to the Premier League or get acclimated in Brentford's case. So something to keep in mind when we do our game week one team sheets next season is to keep an eye on those promoted teams. So overall bucks, you got to be stoked about this, this start. I mean, last season, I think both of us in a lot of our mini leagues, you know, we're middle of the pack and uh, had to make up a lot of ground over the course of the season. So it really feels good to, I think both of us are sitting in the top 100 K to start the season and uh, we can only go up from here. Right. (laughs) It's interesting because I looked back on some of the screenshots I took from last season and I wasn't even at a hundred points coming out of game week two in my rookie campaign. So (laughs) to have uh, already be really approaching 200 points, uh, two weeks into the FPL season. Let's just say that uh, let's hope the stars continue to align. And, you know, I think with that, we should give flowers and kudos and and congratulations to the manager of the week for the FPL Blues podcast, Super League. And that goes to Randy G and his FPL squad of Chelsea Blues. Now, there's no bias in shouting out a former Chelsea supporter and his FPL squad, but he had a massive 88 points this game week. So he vaunted straight to the top of the table for the FPL Blues podcast Super League. He's in first place pretty comfortably by, uh, I believe it's four points. And he's really betting big on Ben Rama and Antonio, who have been his differential. Only surprised to hear this, only about 5% of managers had both of them in their starting 11. And Randy is one of those smart five percenters. So congratulations to Randy. And uh, yeah, we're going to be hopefully going to be falling in his footsteps towards a competitive season, all 38 game weeks long, but uh, he's been pushing the right button so far. So congratulations to him. Yeah. If neither of us can be manager of the week for our mini league or our super league for the podcast, I'm glad uh, another Chelsea supporter is. So we try not to be too biased around here, but we will shout him out. And to have both of Antonio and Ben Rama on the final day of the game week just go ham. I mean, absolutely huge. Uh, and he should be stoked to be at the top for this game week. Absolutely. Hammers going ham. And with that, we're going <laughs> to take a quick break. Before we come back, we're going to then dive into a quick recap of the matches from game week two. We're going to jump into some of the most noteworthy games of this game week two, starting with Liverpool two, Burnley zero. And for both Bucks and I, we were really backing the Egyptian King to be our captain this week and finally break the curse of the Pharaoh's tomb. And it still <laughs> continues. He has not done well against Burnley in his last, I think, five or six matches. It's incredible, Bucks, that he cannot get a little bit of luck thrown his way to get points against Burnley. He was just off sides in this match. So unfortunately a blank for Mo Salah. He did look pretty good, had a couple shots, uh, was lively. I, th- I think he's still a great captain pick in any game that he plays except for Chelsea. And um, you know, in this one, we're really very excited to have both TAA go for 12 points and Simikas for 11. They both add assists into this match and they really look pretty stout at the back. I think with VVD back in action, they're going to be a force to reckon with. And I'm really looking forward to their, their upcoming match versus Chelsea this week. What'd you see here, Bucks? Yeah, Liverpool dominant performance. Uh, just to echo what Brian said about Salah, you know, there's a wives tale about avoiding the early fixture for your captain selection, because then if they blank, you're going to be anxiously watching the rest of the games, really just betting against points, which is not a position you want to be in as an FPL manager. But in addition to his struggles against Burnley, Mo Salah actually has failed to score in four of the last five second game weeks of the season. So he starts really hot Hmm. and then he kind of 
comes back to earth that second match week. Let's see if he's going to rebound. Hopefully he won't in game week three this season because he is playing against our Chelsea Blues. But I think he looked the part. He had a lot of chances. So he was just really unfortunate that that offsides was called. It was fractional at best. So I think that was he was pretty close to getting deserved points and, and making us solid captainers look pretty smart. But yeah, I agree. The standout performers, Jota has to be noted. He opened the scoring with a, a delightful headed goal from Simikas. And Simikas and Trent Alexander-Arnold really making a push as a dynamic backline. Obviously, there are reports out that Rabo is back in first team training. He's expected to come back into the squad as soon as maybe this coming game week, which is going to give some deliberations and decision-making to Brian and I and other Simikas owners. But uh, he's really delivered in the first two matches. You take uh, double-digit haul any day of the week from a 4.0 defender. So Liverpool just keep chugging along. And I think for them, the season really starts in game week three against Chelsea. They're going to get to battle against one of the other titans of the Premier League and, and see where they stand as we as we start the season off. And Mane was on the back of the ball played from TAA, so he gets his first goal of the season. I think he's looked pretty lively as well. It's just a shame that he's priced at 12.0, so there's really no differentiation between him and Salah other than 0.5. I also want to just bring this to the forefront is the Simicast situation was too good to pass up, so we both jumped on it. Now we're going to be in a spot where we want Jota in our squads too at 7.6 million currently. He's going to be a great option. He really looks like a goal-scoring threat just like Greenwood does at that same price. But we're currently locked out of getting another Liverpool asset. So we will have to transfer out Simikas and transfer in Jota to make that happen. And it's really going to be tough for us to manage. So I'm probably going to have to wait until my first wild card around game week seven to kind of restructure my team uh, because I don't want to spend two transfers. I'm you know taking both Liverpool uh, guys in and out of my team, but that's just something that I think now the players who started with Jota, Trent and Mo are having the advantage moving forward. So it's going to be interesting how managers navigate those waters. Agreed. Agreed. And it's something just worthwhile that Simikas has outscored Jota uh, these first two game weeks, despite Jota, scoring goals in both of those matches. So just something to be mindful of. Uh, obviously, you know, with with the points and the haul of Simikas at 4 million, you deal with a little bit of a headache of mashing him out of your squad now that uh, kind of the the honeymoon phase is over with him. <laughs> and I, I was very impressed that Klopp gave him a proper send-off at Anfield. He knew that he was not going to probably start against Chelsea, so... He takes him off kind of late stages of the game so Anfield can give him a big round of applause and they helped him to six points in, in those first two games. But now it's 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 Robo time. So it was a great it was great while it lasted. Another Greek freak. Gotta love it. But um, OK, let's let's move it along here to <laughs> Villa two, Newcastle zero. We'll keep this one short and sweet. But Danny Ings with just an absolute scintillating goal here, Bucks. You saw it live. I was uh, flying across the uh, across the country and following on my phone, but tell me more about about this goal that Ings put in and what makes him such a clinical player in the Premier League. Yeah, listen, Danny Ings, his second goal in two matches, pretty much the second goal out of absolutely nothing in two matches for Danny Ings. He has this amazing overhead back kick uh, straight into the goal. It was There was no chance that it was going to be kept out, but this was off a throw-in that then Tyrone Mings hit... Uh, big defender kind of heads into the middle of the box. You know, I think it's fair to say we're both big Ollie Watkins fans, but last season, Ollie Watkins wasn't putting this ball into the back of the net. So definitely not. Definitely not. It just goes and proves that, you know, Danny Ings was a player worth bringing in for the money for Villa. And he's looked the part. I think, you know, the pausing and, and kind of tempering expectations was later in the match. You actually saw Anwar Al-Ghazi take the penalty kick, not Danny Ings. Ugh. I know that was painful for me to see, considering that I am backing Danny Ings in these first couple friendly matches to put up massive point totals. And having that goal uh, kind of taken away from his feet was uh, was something hard to watch. But he still gets eight points. But the uh, And, you know, 
Emmy Martinez owners. He's a very popular goalkeeper option. He gets the clean sheet. So dominant performance from the villains. But really, Tyrone Mings was the uh, was the player to have in this match. He had 15 points because he had two assists and a clean sheet and the three bonus. So uh, if your defender is even getting double-digit points, let alone 15 points, without scoring a goal, you know he's having a dream fixture and a dream performance for FPL purposes. Yeah, the last thing I want to add here, um, you know, Newcastle, they can score an odd goal here or there, but their defense is terrible. So definitely a team to target when you're looking at captaincy for the rest of the season. And last week we saw Matt Target for Villa just get absolutely annihilated by Saar from Watford, and he was nowhere to be seen in this match. So it might be a couple games that we don't see a Target in the, in the squad. So thought that was interesting because he was getting a little bit of preseason hype uh, based on their early fixtures. So uh, let's move it along here. Crystal Palace 0, Brentford 0. A nil-nil match. I think this is the first nil-nil match of the season, Bucks, which you know is kind of surprising because we've seen goals all around the, the pitches. So uh, anything to note here for your boy, Tony? This was a total snoozer. Uh, <laughs> one, you know, I think one point was more appreciated by Crystal Palace. It looked like Brentford were the more attacking and the better side on the match. But I know I'm speaking for myself, but I think it's probably true about many other FPL managers who are Ivan Tony on their squad. I'm getting a little nervous. I feel like he's on the hot seat. He has been playing. He's been doing a shift for Brentford, but he's not really getting the amount of big chances that you'd expect a talisman player to get. He's, you know, he's coming back and helping on defense and then he's doing the link up play, but he's not really the one who's having the chance at the assist, let alone taking the shot on goal. So he's someone that at 6.5 million came into the season thinking he's a bargain potential, you know, high upside player. He's kind of missed the mark on that front. I think there are other players from Brentford that are, more likely game in, game out to get points. And kind of out of nowhere, their defense has shown up as being a real threat and a real team to be reckoned with. And they have two clean sheets to start the season. Definitely not expected. So uh, players Henry and Jensen in their back line are both on my radar at 4.5 million. And again, just the Bs are a team not to be kind of taken lightly. They showed out against Arsenal. They put in a good shift against Crystal Palace. Now it's to kind of keep this momentum going as they land on four points from the opening couple fixtures. Brian, any takeaways from this match and the advanced stats or anything? No, I think uh, Mr. Rico Henry did catch my eye, though, as a potential fullback at 4.5. They're not known for their clean sheets, but he did create uh, two chances in that match. So just somebody to keep in mind for those cheap budget defenders. Uh, especially as we both look to free up cash all over our, our sides. So, and just in general, again, looking at some of these promoted sides, I was lucky because I dodged the early Tony quote unquote, you know, bullet, but I think it's just something that we want to see them get into a groove. They're really adjusting to playing all of these teams for the first time. They haven't been in the premier league in over 65 years. So you just have to give them time and, Again, at, at their price points, they have a bunch of players that we might bring into our sides later in the season once they get a little bit of form. So just something to keep in mind as we move forward here. Um, but for now, just uh, let them you know try and find their stride and we'll revisit their squads later for FPL. Next up was one of the more exciting matches on the weekend. Leeds 2, Everton 2. This was one of the most captivating and exciting matches on the weekend. Everton opened the scoring through DCL, who earns a penalty and then has the good fortune to slot that penalty kick into the back of the net for his second goal of the season. He's looking like a real standout option in the forward position, especially considering Everton have a host of favorable fixtures still to come. So I think DCL is someone to watch. He's absolutely in my thoughts as we enter the next couple of game weeks. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I wasn't sure, Bucks, I wasn't sure he was going to be on pens. Right. Like with no Siggy in the side, we weren't sure if maybe Richie would step up and take pens or if it was going to be somebody else. But DCL wins the pen. He takes it, converts it very, very confidently. And he's just of that age of kind of mid 20s. He's been around the league for a few years now. And I think he's super confident and he can score with his head or with his feet. 
needs some service, but he's taking a, a bit more shots this season. So been really impressed with with him. And I think we were both down on Everton based on the preseason and we weren't sure who was going to be in the side, but they've they've done really well. And Damari Gray looked great. Uh, he gets the second goal in this match for a total of nine points and he's five point five million. So that's a player that you know could potentially be an enabler later in the season if we want the likes of Kane or Lukaku to come into our sides. So definitely somebody to, to keep an eye on. And he's, his pace is phenomenal. He actually almost had an early assist where he burned all the way from midfield, burned two or three defenders uh, from Leeds and then put across to just missed uh, DCL's feet. So he looked very impressive to me as a player that I haven't seen much lately. Obviously, he used to play on uh, Leicester, then was overseas, but somebody to keep an eye on. Good shout on Damari Gray. I wanted to mention that attacking run that he made. He's an interesting player because, as we mentioned in some of the preseason pods, Everton are really lacking in midfield right now. But their new acquisition of Townsend and Damari Gray both are doing a role. And I think Gray has the higher upside, and he really showed his promise. When everything comes together in in the course of a match, he can score goals, he can have assists, and he can be kind of that creative player that right now Everton are missing in the middle of the park. So he's one to watch for sure. And just about the DCL taking a penalty, I definitely thought going into this match that it would be his running mate, Richarlison, would take those because he's more of a creative player. So you'd think, you know, ball from a dead spot, he would be better at it. But DCL went, he took the ball and he for sure confidently stepped up to that penalty. You want to see that from the guy who's supposed to be scoring goals from your squad if you're an Everton fan. And as an FPL manager, I want my forward to be demanding those chances. So we mentioned earlier, Danny Ings didn't take a penalty when he had the opportunity in game week two. DCL didn't let that opportunity go to waste. So really strong from Everton. We should shout out Rafinha scored the game tying goal. And it was just amazing outside the box, right side. And it was late in the game. So I know I was looking at a pretty down scoring from him you know two matches not really getting a return and all of a sudden out of nowhere he gets that amazing goal gets seven points and justifies putting your faith in a player of his caliber so I think he's someone who's might be on my team all season I don't want to jinx it but at 6.5 million he's such a steal and he really has so many opportunities to get FPL points Brian any takeaways from this match beyond that I just also wanted to note that Bamford did pick up an assist uh, for Leeds' first goal with uh, Click, who put it in the back of the net, but he then gets a stupid kind of yellow card later, so ends up with four points. You know, there are better days ahead for Bamford. He's going to still end up on 15 goals by the time that this season is over, and Leeds are just getting off to a little bit of a slower start, but we're expecting them to, you know, be in the thick of it, mid-table and above as the season progresses, so... I think we can move forward to another match, which is Manchester City 5, Norwich 0. Bucks, I called this one on the last podcast. I knew that Pep was going to be angry. He was going to do some Pep roulette, get the right numbers on those jerseys in the match, and they absolutely smashed Norwich. And I, I thought this was a game befitting of sending them back to the championship. Yeah, this was uh, Chinstradamus came out on our last pod to predict this uh, final. So you were looking pretty smart there. And just pretty impressive. Grealish gets his first goal for City. He looks strong with his second start. And not much needs to be said beyond the fact that I think our bet that Norwich were going to be, you know, one of those three teams relegated is looking really strong at this point in time. They've allowed eight goals to start the season in just two matches. So pretty brutal start for them. Yeah, with that, you know, City kind of get their mojo back. Norwich looking like they're destined for uh, a down year, um, having yet to record a goal and giving up eight to the opposition. Not not the way you want to set it out in the training pitch, that's for sure. I mean, the FPL schedule makers, just a massive slap in the face to play both City and Liverpool to start the season. Some interesting points here. Jesus had two assists, max bonus points. He's 8.5 million. If he ever became nailed, he would be interesting, but he's just so in and out of Pep's lineup that he's not an option. I had a vice captain on Mares this week, and if he had performed just a little bit better the week before, I really think that I might have 
included him in my in my side as my captain this week. That was my plan all along, Bucks, when we were talking preseason. And instead, he was my vice. And unfortunately, he didn't start. And so I was like, oh, this is so annoying. I invested $9 million. And he comes on for 15 minutes, nabs a goal, six points. And I think I had the same kind of reaction as you did to your Rafinha goal that late in the game. You're like, oh, my God, another blank, another blank. And then, boom, out of nowhere, you have these explosive players with so much talent bag you FPL points is a great feeling. Yeah, that was a good shout. I was actually one, the teams went solid. I know we had discussed our team sheet on the prior podcast, but I was surprised you didn't tinker back to have Mares be your captain. That was kind of why you had a city player going into the season. But yeah, coming off the low of him not being a starter to the high of him coming in and pretty much instantly providing a spark on offense and getting that goal. That was a whirlwind of emotions for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to deal with Pep Roulette. So I think he's he's somebody that I'm probably going to move off of just because he is 9 million, um, which does give me kind of like a semi-premium price tag to maybe move to Sun or Lukaku, but uh, more to come on that as I tinker this game. week. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with a few more matches and then get into some of the questions from our community. We'll be right back. And we're back. After that quick break, let's dive into the next match, which is Brighton 2, Watford 0. Not much to say on this one, but Brighton continue to rack up the points, and they get a clean sheet in this match and just absolutely stifled Watford. Both Dennis and Saar, who looked like they were... FPL gold mines in game week one really came back to earth and the defense won the day for the Seagulls. Uh, Shane Duffy, cheap thrill at 4.0, now 4.1 million defender, gets a clean sheet and a goal with the three bonus points to get on 14 points, which is a massive haul. And then the template goalkeeper Sanchez, who Brian and I both own, had a clean sheet for six points. So on the flip side, and more of negative skew for Brighton, Veltman still is out with COVID precautions, and Ugh. they're saying he's not going to come back till at least mid-September. So that's a, a problem area that FPL managers will want to think about addressing, uh, understanding that Brighton's defense is producing, but you know this guy can't even be on the training pitch. So. More to come about Brian's transfer panic in in a oh, couple man. minutes' time. It's just the fact that we did not hear a damn thing about this situation before the season started. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't show up on the team sheet in game week one. And, you know, with, with the amount of social media and the tabloids and everything else going on in the world, you'd think you'd hear about this. But I really am jealous for the players that somehow have Webster at 4.5 getting the double clean sheet. And now I have a player who's... I need to play next week, isn't going to play. You know, FPL Towers flagged him with the red, and last week he, he was basically going to come back for game week three. And now that's pushed out to game week four. So I'm in a huge predicament. This is just, this is just a headache, and I, I miss I missed out on six points again. So a bit frustrating to say the least, but we'll 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 dive into that later. I'm just I'm 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 honked off like a goose, Bucks. Honked off. Womp, womp, womp. All right, let's move I think on. You were supposed to honk. You 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 were, you were supposed to honk there. <laughs> quack quack. Let's move on. Brian's uh, <laughs> smallest uh, violin, and we can go to the next match, which was Wolves zero, Tottenham Spurs one, and this was the Nuno Esperanto reunion match, and he showed up, and it's interesting because the match kind of sucked, and Tottenham get the win on a pretty boring, bland showing, but. Coming out of this match, there's now really strong rumors tying Spurs with Adama Traore, the Wolves player, and someone who Nuno has coached before. So I think it's this is just a really interesting... These two teams are more interesting than probably the match was. And Brian can say a little bit more about that. Yeah, first and foremost, we were hoping that Sun would be on penalty kicks, but Deli Ali won the PK and he took it very confidently, finished it. So he gets the game-winning goal in that match. But I'm curious to see if, in other situations, if a player gets a PK, if Sun takes it instead. I think Nuno is trying to boost Deli Ali's confidence and try and unlock him from three seasons ago. So 
I, it's just something that I want to keep tabs of because Sun would obviously be a much better value if he's on pens for the team. Um, elsewhere, Adama Traore, he's had three big chances to start the season and he missed yet another one-on-one with the keeper. And, uh, you know, Yoris is a solid keeper. He ends up with six saves in this match. Max bonus, 11 points. So something to keep track of. Um, you know, I think Tottenham, they're they're getting a, a bit lucky to start the season, but they have a lot of defenders at 4.5 from Tanganga to Sanchez to Dyer. So one of those guys could do a shift for your team as a budget defender in a, you know, mid-table team. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, just really quick, Wolves, as Brian mentioned, through Adama Traore, now have the second most big chances and shots created in the Premier League this season, and yet they've failed to score a goal. So that's just something to (laughs) be mindful of. They've been very unlucky, where on the flip side, Spurs defense have actually kept two consecutive clean sheets. And they seem to, as Brian said, be running a little bit lucky. Their XG or their expected goal allowed is over four. So the fact that they've Ooh. allowed zero goals, but they you know, would have been predicted to have allowed over four, I think those 4.5 defenders seem like better value because of the limited sample size. Whereas you know, over the course of a season, I don't see players uh, in that back line producing enough to be FPL relevant. So they're a stay away from me just as a quick preview to my thinking on the 4.5 defender market. Next one up, Brian. Southampton won. Manchester United won. How did this game result in a draw? I cannot believe how lackadaisical man you came out of the box. And for you and me, Bucks, I sent you a picture. I was I was behind my couch just barely watching the TV because I was so scared that Bruno was going to just be pooping out FPL points all over the Southampton field. But, you know, the home crowd backed the Saints. They have a really inexperienced defense. They just lost Vestergaard. They lost Ings. They lost all kinds of players across their their team. And they somehow, you know, really get a a 1-1 draw versus Man U. And Bruno gets a yellow card. Two points for those captors. So, hey, somehow the solid caps still win in this uh, in this blank. Yeah, Mason Greenwood was the standout player on the day. He had a goal to level this matchup at one and gets max bonus, three bonus points to bring him to 10 points, which is a great showing for any FPL manager. I think probably a little unfair that Bruno doesn't get that foul awarded to give him the penalty which, you know, was kind of given off. And then Bruno continues to be frustrated, gets a yellow card. So that was a a pretty bad swing of uh, fortune uh, for Bruno Fernandes, captainers and and for Bruno in general. But, you know, I think just big picture, taking a step back, this is why Ole Gunnar Sochar has not been able to deliver a trophy to Man United during his tenure because he just fails to have the team show up in the right way for these big matches. And listen, at Southampton, game week two is not a big match per se, but in your first test going on the road as you try and be title contenders for the Premier League top spot, these are points that you can't be dropping in the early season. Your whole team is healthy. You have your guys. And Southampton seem like they're shipping off most of their talent uh, to kind of make their squad a little bit cheaper. So I think this is a really disappointing result for Man United. And, you know, Southampton definitely deserved the point uh, from this match. So they looked good, uh, even if it was an own goal. Uh, big deflection off Fred, but Man United didn't really get things going. So I think this was just a little bit too easy for Southampton, all things being considered. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Adam Armstrong, who's coming into his first season in the Premier League. He's a little feisty striker option at 6.0. I, I'm very impressed with him. I thought he showed a lot of his array of skills off and is somebody that actually looks like he's linking up with Che Adams. So watch that space as, as those two players continue to develop. Southampton is not known for their defense, but they might be able to score a couple goals this season. So somebody that I will be adding to my watch list uh, for those kind of cheap enabler strikers. And outside of that, can you explain to me, Bucks, how Shaw got two bonus points? Like, I'm happy about it. I'll obviously take four points, but like, this was a pretty putrid game. And the baseline bonus points 
for like the breakout of, you know, three, two, and one were super, super low. Greenwood was on 22 baseline bonus points and that got him the full three. And Shaw somehow maybe put in like two or three crosses, but they look lackadaisical in the defensive midfield, especially with Matic playing that game instead of McTominay, uh, which I, I just, you know, love, love Matic on Chelsea, but this version is, is, you know, he needs to go someplace and retire. Um, and I, I just think that uh, there could be better days ahead for Manchester United's defense, but I'm not really happy with Shaw to start the season at all. Agreed. I think this was just all around a chalk off forgettable performance from Manchester United. And yes, Southampton in front of their home crowd, they were the more motivated and hungrier team on the day. So there's areas of improvement across the board for Manchester United. I think it's interesting. Sancho didn't really make such an impact in this match. And Greenwood just looks like the best player to own right now. He's playing an attacking line. He's really threatening and really clinical with his finishing. And, you know, even Bruno, he he just sometimes gets lost in the emotion of the match. So hopefully if he's going to be, you know, the FPL standout that we all expect him to be, he's he's got to really just know that he's the best player and play that way. Yeah, and he put a early cross into the box that somehow no Manchester United player got on. That could have easily been an assist. And he also was part of a great link up with Pogba, who picks up his fifth assist of the season um, before Greenwood scored the game tying um, goal. So, you know, I think there are better days ahead for Manchester United. I, I think I just wanted to call out the fact that with fans in the stands, if there are two players that are like for like, such as, you know, for captaincy options, and one is playing at home and one is playing away right now, I'm going to lead to the player who's playing at home, like Mohamed Salah. These Teams are getting juiced up from their home crowds and really being able to put in really, you know, pretty good shifts. So I think it's just an interesting storyline compared to last year when there was no fans in the stands and there wasn't really a home field advantage. So something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. That's a great point. Let's go to the next match, which for us was the most important match. And that was the London Derby of Arsenal 0, Chelsea 2. Come on, Chelsea. Let's go. Man, this was a great match i watched it with one of our uh, fpl blues super league members amen he uh graciously hosted me with his supporting club of the milwaukee blues in milwaukee wisconsin and there's probably 40 or 50 chelsea fans supporters maybe 10 to 15 arsenal supporters and it was just a good atmosphere it's been a long time since i've been in that kind of environment to watch a game obviously given the last year and a half of all of our fandoms for uh, football, but this was amazing to see Lukaku come in. He is a square peg for a square hole. He did the job. He looked brilliant. 1.4 expected goals, and he's just going to be a great player for the whole Chelsea squad. I, I'm, I'm already in love, Bucks. Yeah, big Rom. He looked the part. I He honestly looked unstoppable. There were just moments where there were two... Arsenal defenders were draped on him. He would control the ball, kind of stiff arm one of them, turn and put on the jets. And all of a sudden, both of them were kind of like grabbing at his jersey, just trying to even stay in the play. So he looks like a really special player. And I think he's going to be the talisman Chelsea need in the center of the park to unlock players like Mason Mount, like Kai Havertz, and even like Timo Werner, who has been kind of in the doghouse because of his finishing skills, just having a player that has so much gravity like Romelu Lukaku does is going to make everything so much easier around the pitch. And we saw that against Arsenal. Arsenal obviously have another disappointing result. They lose 2-0 again uh, to open the season. But, you know, Romelu Lukaku scores that opening goal from a brilliant Reese James pass. And I think Reese James really just, that gave him so much confidence. He comes in and Later in the match, he scores a goal himself. So Reese James was my player of the match. I know I think Lukaku was the fans player of the match um, from watching it, but Reese James was everywhere. He had a lot of great challenges and takeaways, and he gets the goal, an assist, a clean sheet, and bonus points. So he ends up actually as the top FPL scorer on the game week with 18 points. Massive haul from a defender and... It's interesting because there's a lot of discussion about who's going to be the first choice wingbacks or 
right and left backs for Chelsea. And right now it seems like Reese James and Marcus Alonso are, are the two guys in those spots. So something to be monitored going forward. But Reese James, amazing game, probably his best game in the Chelsea uniform. And he really helped the Blues just smash the Gunners in this match. All I know is come game week seven, I'm going to have three Chelsea players in my squad. I'm definitely eyeing Rudiger, James, and Lukaku to be in my side come first wild card. So I'm very keen to see how their fixtures turn later and how I can really turn on some of these assets. James is a great talent, but he's just always been rotated. So it'll be really interesting seeing how many minutes he actually gets. But he has that upside of a goal in any game and an assist in any game. So he's definitely a player that I would like as long as I have a strong bench behind him. Because if he doesn't start, you know, you can't rely on him game week in and game week out. Yeah, you mentioned Tony Rudiger. I think it's interesting. He's $5.5 million, the same price as Luke Shaw. And Chelsea now have two convincing clean sheets to Man United zero. I think Rudiger might be a player that's getting underhyped because he just plays solid defense. He doesn't often get those assists or those goals, but he has it in him. But I think that just cool and collected, calm, he's going to get six points most game weeks because he's going to play. And so he's someone who's in my thoughts, even in the short term with Chelsea's tough fixtures, swapping out Luke Shaw for Rudiger, just to kind of keep that semi-premium defender spot with a team that looks like it's actually going to be getting more clean sheets. So just something to, to note regarding the Chelsea back line. Yeah, I have the same thoughts about John Stones for Manchester City. Once he comes into the side, he's just going to be 5.5. He's going to get you know one or two attacking returns, but he's going to be getting a lot of sixes in your side. And that kind of just continued excellence, it adds up over the course of a season. So definitely another player like uh, Rudiger to keep an eye on. So let's go into the last match, which was our first Monday match of the season. And this one was a, a big time affair. West Ham versus Leicester. Bucks, West Ham four, Leicester one. This was a chaotic match. Tell me what your thoughts were here. Yeah, this was actually an amazing match. I would like to say that these are the kind of party crasher teams. These are the teams that are outside of the top four that really fancy themselves of having a chance of of getting some European football this season. So West Ham just come in and they absolutely hammer Leicester. It was interesting because it was all really predicated and unleashed by Iosi Perez taking this horrible 40th minute red card. <laughs> I mean, I played. What was he doing? I played center what, what midfield. That was like he lost his mind for a couple seconds on the pitch and just like puts his legs up, has a terrible tackle. So that was you hate to see that. But you know, West Ham just absolutely are murking teams right now. They're coming in, and it doesn't matter how many goals you score on them because they're going to score. Looks like four goals a match uh, at this point in time. But clean Ben Rama and Antonio, they really just have a dynamic duo that is putting goals up at a ridiculous clip. So those guys both deliver again. Miguel Antonio, to his credit, is the top scoring FPL player from the opening two matches. He has four goals and he has assists. So he's just on a tear. Love what I'm seeing from him. Ooh. And he has seven big chances, which leads the entire Premier League. So he's a player that absolutely is a must-own right now at his price point. And his running mate, Saeed Benrama, you know, the hype was real coming into the season. And he's proven that the managers who are backing both him and Antonio, as I mentioned, only 5% of the FPL game are have both those players in their squad. But they've delivered double-digit hauls in both of these opening matches. So... Real. So so impressive, Bucks. So Good. impressive here because I think we had, you know, Lingard come into West Ham last season and fill that creative role, be that other threat on the pitch next to Antonio. And Ben Rama is just slotting right in there. And Moyes is, you know, helping build his confidence. Um, you know, a bit a bit luckier of a goal today on a broken play, but he's in the right spots. Um his assist was, you know, very, very you know, well delivered and West Ham in general just looked like they could score three goals on anybody. So I like that. And I think Antonio, as long as he's healthy, he has to be in your squad and he has to be in your thoughts 
for your captaincy shout next week. So, you know, bravo to them. Lester, better days ahead. I think last pod, Bucks, I was talking shit about Ayuse Perez and how Brendan Rodgers needed to start Nacho up front. And now this is going to force his hand because he's got to shift his lineup a little bit, get Nacho in there, get Perez suspended for three games, suspended for another three after that. We don't need him on the pitch. He's not doing anything for Lester. So I'm happy about that, at least. Yeah, just one more point on this. I think this actually is a positive result for Lester because they've probably been running out their second best team. And they're in this interesting formation where they're kind of have a a, a two five three where their team really operates best and optimally in a four four two where they have the two strikers, Jamie Vardy and either Ianacho or this DACA guy. Those guys should be starting instead of Iosi Perez. And I just think that players like Tielemans, he gets his first goal in this match, but he needs to be showing up in a what in a much bigger capacity. And that goes without saying is true about Harvey Barnes too. I think he's a very popular FPL asset and because he's coming back from injury and he's very attack minded, but he's really disappointed. So I think both those guys need to have a little bit more of the spotlight put on them. And Brendan Rogers needs to be uh, coaching this team hard so that they can really start uh, putting a, a good campaign together going into game week three and beyond. Yeah, and I see them in a 4-4-2 where Castagna comes into the left side, perhaps. He hasn't played at all yet. Uh, this match, you know, Amarte started at center back, whereas Vestergaard has just transferred there, and he's got a knock, so he didn't play this game. So, again, this is kind of their second-choice lineup. I think a remedy that fixes all problems, Bucks, is a trip to go play Norwich. So if you have Harvey Barnes, you got to hold him for that match. You have to. Um, and then you see and analyze after that performance, but... You know, people obviously who started with him game week one, they they want to cut that leash. I think you got you got to hold tight and give him one more game. The gift that keeps on giving is a trip to play against Norwich City. So with that, I think, Amen. We're, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to answer the community questions as well as discuss our transfer plans going into game week three. It's time to answer the community questions from the FPL Blues Super League. James Lee asks, who are the best differential captains for game week three? And Bucks, I think this is the perfect time to go with a differential. And let's start highlighting a few players that we think could do the business with obviously Liverpool playing Chelsea. So you're probably not going to captain Salah or TAA. And then Bruno playing a scrappy Wolves team away, uh, who's only conceded one goal in each of their opening fixtures. I think this is the time to, you know, pop off and see if you can nail a differential. Who are the top shouts, Bucks? Yeah, I think this is, you feel more confident going different with your captain selection this match week. And I think the leaders in the clubhouse have to be Mikel Antonio and Saeed Benrama in their matchup against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace look like a team that is still figuring out what their identity is and the hammers know what they do best, which is score goals in bunches. So right now I have the captain armband on Antonio. I back that he's going to have at least one return. So anything over that is going to be just pure, pure glory in another match. I think Danny Ings two goals in two matches, he's not getting a ton of service. So this is really just betting on him being a clinical finisher and Brentford, not, quite being up to the same caliber as Villa. So I think those are the two matches you really want to be looking at. Any additional ones you want to throw in there, Brian? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on the Antonio take. That's my bus captain right now. Um, I also think, you know, if you have Hungman Sun versus Watford at home, that could be somebody to monitor. He did come off at the 72 minute mark uh, and was replaced by Kane, which was bit puzzling because they always play on the pitch together and so I think there might be a potential injury with Sun I was actually targeting him as my transfer for game week three to captain him but now I think we have to pay attention to the team news so I'm going to make sure to keep my transfers as long as possible to make a decision there and you know this week is going to be interesting we're going to see some some good differential captains across the board but I do expect Antonio to be the number one captain this week 
Yeah, one more player to shout out is Jamie Vardy. Again, we mentioned Leicester get to play Norwich. If you have Jamie Vardy, he's already been a differential for you, and he has scored. So um, if you have him in your team, you really got to lean into owning him, and I think there's no better match to target than against Norwich. So worth mentioning yeah, a that's more a good expensive shot, premium. Yeah, and I guess we do have to add City to that list. Based on press conferences, who knows who's going to play? I still have Mares in my squad. There is an off chance that I I cap him against an Arsenal team that looks very leaky and uh, just has no confidence to start the season. So if you find out who's actually starting or have uh, an inkling who's starting for Pep, that could be another interesting match to uh, exploit because not many FPL managers have any city assets. So it's almost a uh, double differential. I, I, yeah. All right. Next one is from Kevin Johnson. I think this is going to be a theme of FPL players wanting to know if it's appropriate to activate the wild card. And I think game week three, listen, we're starting to have a little bit more information about who the players are, who's real, who's fake, but game week three is right before an international break. So I think Kevin, let's hold out just for one more game week. I think after this match week, We'll have an extended break for players going abroad, trying to get World Cup qualifying matches in. And game week four, I think, is really when the window opens to start seriously considering a wild card all the way up until probably game week 10 or 12. There are a number of fixture changes and swings that happen in, in that window. And you also get through both of the international breaks. So I think game week three is still probably too early, but... If you have the free transfers, you got to really be planning those transfers with your wild card in mind. So not too early to start thinking about it, but probably too early to activate it. Yeah, don't hit the panic button yet. The wild card is such a powerful chip. It is the most powerful chip in the game. You get one for the first half of the season and then one for the second half of the season. So you don't want to waste it and you have to make sure the timing is right. I think, you know, if you have banked a transfer in the game week two, so you're going to game week three with two transfers, taking a, a hit for the first time this season, a minus four, to do a kind of a mini wild card where you can switch up the formation of your team, make three moves, that can really help you restructure and maybe get on a player like Ben Rama, who could ha- actually free up some funds in your team to distribute elsewhere. So that would be my recommendation at this point if you're really itching to make some moves and and you're feeling the pressure from the FPL community. But just remember, it's a long freaking season and we're going to be here every step of the way with you, giving you this advice. But again, if you can practice some patience, that is the number one thing that Bucks and I can tell you as uh, more kind of integral and seasoned managers. Great advice there, Brian, for sure. All right, last question is from Tyler Freeman. He also has a question in the wildcard vein, which is he's looking beyond game week three. Who are the players to target for game week four? Because there's rumors with the international break that, you know, there are some players that actually might miss out with their World Cup qualifying match being too close to the game week four start time. And then there's the COVID protocol. So any players we want to either give guidance for or against in this section, Brian? Yeah, I think right now, let's wait for some more data to come in. And when we have our international break, where we're going to have about 12 days off of FPL, we'll do a bigger deep dive into some of the players uh, who are having their fixtures turn and whatnot. But right now, it's a lot of information is up in the air, but there are some players to avoid potentially because they are going to be on international duty and are potentially in countries that are at high risk for COVID. So there is basically a, a red list for COVID protocols for different countries. And so some players that we want to avoid or who could uh, potentially come back late from international duty include those from South America. So the likes of Rafinha, Richarlison, Buendia, Jesus, Firmino. Look at these players, have a think about what kind of national team that they play for, and just be wary of bringing them into your team uh, just because there is a little bit of no, unknown you know, Bucks, you have Rafinha, you're obviously going to keep him, but just some something to an added wrinkle to maybe delay bringing him into your squad. Then I also want to note that there are players that are on the red list in countries such as Salah from Egypt. He might be 
having to quarantine for an extra game week because of his international duties. Same goes for the likes of uh, players who are playing for countries in the red list. So Antonio might play for Jamaica in the World Cup qualifying, and he's playing a, a team that has that kind of restriction for the UK protocol. So he might miss extra time. Same goes for Jimenez. So it's it's definitely evolving. We'll keep you updated as we can. Yeah, and it's worth just uh, last thing on this is that it is ever evolving because there was a letter sent from Liverpool actually today. Uh, today we're recording on Monday, August 23rd. So Liverpool higher up sent a letter to FIFA basically requesting that they withhold Salah from playing for the Egyptian national team because of these COVID protocols and because obviously they need Salah to be a true title contender this season. So again, we'll do the monitoring. You don't have to be up late on Twitter, uh, you know, going through the feed. Uh, <laughs> let Brian and I do that digging for you and we'll report back as we learn more. Yeah, I mean, Bucks, what do you think though? Like if you're Salah, don't you want to represent your country? That is one of the most proud moments of playing football. And it's just a very interesting situation because you have a nation like Egypt they have a few quality players around the top leagues in Europe but they need him to play in that match so it's it's very interesting to see kind of where this nets out between the club and country yeah I think this is a really unique situation because obviously you know heart you want to play for your home country but head you need the rest I mean these players these footballers have been just logging so many minutes across the COVID shortened season and then the return they play and then they don't have a full off season. And then again, they don't have the full off season over this summer. So I just think players like Mo Salah, he's not a spring chicken anymore, but uh, I think Liverpool is right to be taking some of that decision-making away from the player to try and protect him from himself. So um, I would be concerned as an FPL manager, if I find out that Salah, Antonio, potentially Ben Rama, Rafinha, all these players that you're really expecting to haul and bring in the points for you all of a sudden, you know, might not be playing. You can't really free hit this early in the season, but it's looking like that might actually be a more appealing um, resolution or, or solution to uh, make sure you have these best players while also not getting totally trashed me in game week four. Yeah, good shout there, Bucks. All right, let's take a quick transition here and talk about our transfer targets and our captaincy options for this week. Bucks, I I just need a couple minutes. I'll make it quick, but I have no freaking idea what I'm going to do. I have Mares with at 9.0, burning a hole in my pocket with all those funds. And right now, I have no playing bench. So I have to start Simikas, even though he's not going to start, or... Brownhill will be in my starting 11. So I have two free transfers. I'm most likely going to have to make some kind of move, if not a double move. And I really have my eyes on Lukaku for game week four. So I'm just all sorts. I could bring in Sun for Mares and Captain Sun. I, I just, I don't know what to do, but all I know is I have a weak, very weak bench. And so I might just have to make a 4.5 million pound defender transfer and so boring, and then have two transfers going into the international break before game week four. Bucks, is that what I should do? Listen, boring might win the day. I, I have a similar issue. I have two free transfers having rolled my transfer from game week one to game week two, and now I have to make a move. And it's like you said, it, it's there's pressure to make the move where there might not be an urgent need or a position of need that you want to make the move in. So similar to you, I have Ben White, who's out with COVID protocols. He's at 4.5 million. And then I have Ivan Tony at 6.5 million. And those mm. are kind of the players that are at the top of the chopping block right now for me. The only problem is that there's no real way to move those two players and replace them with more exciting options for those funds. So the real, I think, move is to take a player like Ivan Tony at $6.5 million, downgrade him maybe to Dennis from Watford, saving $1.4 million, and then potentially upping a player like Brownhill in my midfield, who's $4.5 million, to a more exciting 5.5 option. Now, obviously, I would like to do that move and bring in Ben Rama, but with price changes, he's now too expensive for that move to work. So. Mm -hmm. 
again, I think it's very early in the game week, so I'm going to be waiting to make my move. But I think at this point in time, I'm thinking a sideways move of Tony to Dennis and then just banking that $1.4 million for next week when I'd have two free transfers. I think it's more palatable that I would make a move after the international break that would be a big swing than it is today at this point in time when, again, there is so much uncertainty. So I think my move at this point is going to be taking one of those free transfers off the table and bring some money into my bank account. So I'm thinking I'm going to take Ivan Tony out and bring in Dennis and get me some money for next week where I can really do some damage. Yeah, a couple of things here, Bucks. I, I like the strategy just for our newer FPL players in the community who are listening to this podcast, you can only stack up to two free transfers, right? So in this case, you have to make at least one. Otherwise, you just lose it. And transfers are one of your most valuable tools to a good FPL season. So in this case, Bucks is really kind of fearing the unknown with the international break. Looking at his team, he could have Antonio, Rafinha, and Sala all possibly miss game week four. Again, we don't know, but in that situation, having two free transfers could be very valuable. So I think another rule of thumb that you want to try to exercise this season is when you are in a position where you have multiple free transfers, just address the weakest link in your team. You don't have to take out and make double moves and bring in, like for me, like I could bring in Sun for Mares. Or I could just roll out Mares versus Arsenal and hope he plays 60 minutes. So, you know, the, the, those types of moves are, are tough to identify. But the real problem my team is that Veltman is flagged. He's still got COVID. He's not going to play this week. And then Simikas is likely finished. He's, he's not going to play, you know, another minute for a very long time with Robbo coming back. So I have multiple holes and I'm in a 4-4-2. So I really have to address one of those players. So. That's just, you know, my thought process. And I think Bucks, again, we really want you to try and be patient, even though these transfers and clearly I'm going to be tinkering around with hits during this week. I'm going to be like making three moves at a time. I'm going to be, you know, doing all kinds of madness. But if you can be patient, that's what we usually recommend. Yeah, great point. And just on the Simikas front, I have him in my side, too. I'm not so confident that he's not going to play game week three. I think that, listen, obviously Robbo is the better player. He's one of the core players of that Liverpool side. And if he's healthy, the player is going to want to get on the pitch. But I think that Liverpool need to be strategic. And I think that there's a part of me that thinks that the coaches are going to win the day and the training staff, and they're going to hold him back knowing that there's that international break right afterwards and let him really bank on that recovery. So I'm going to hold Simikasa at least through the international break. He's going to stay on my squad. He's so cheap that it doesn't really matter if I don't play him. He can sit on my bench. So I really, we've discussed in the preseason, we don't want to be using our transfers for defenders. So I'm in a 3-4-3 setup in my squad. So I don't need to make Ben White into a player that's actually going to see the pitch at this point in time. So as Brian was saying, I'm going to address a player that isn't yet a problem and try and solve that before I actually have to deal with fires that are ongoing in my current squad. Yeah, that's a good call, Bucks. And I just want to run one thing by you before we get out of here. So Mares, right? He's playing Arsenal. He scored a goal against them last season. He's obviously explosive, but I could take him out and Brownhill giving me 13.5 million and I could just bring in Rafinha and Ben Rama and play a 3-5-2. To me that sounds relatively interesting because then I'd have a very strong midfield. I have a non-playing forward already and so that would kind of shift me into a different formation but it would be potentially very strong. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts are about having potentially five goal-scoring midfielders, but not giving me any flexibility to then get Lukaku in until a first wild card. I mean, we spoke offline about the Lukaku discussion. I think he's someone that you just need to wait on. Unless you're going to be captaining him in one of these tougher fixtures, which I think most FPL players are not going to make that decision, he's probably 
a player that you can go without, at least until Chelsea's fixtures change to be really, really promising starting in game week eight. So I think he's a player that I'm not really tinkering trying to get in at this point in time. I know that I'll be I'll feel the pressure to wild card when the time is right. So I like the move of spreading out your funds in the midfield and then you don't have to deal with addressing your kind of defense problem. So I think that actually solves both your problems while bringing in two players who are on a tear right now. If you can afford to bring Ben Rama in, I think he has to be the first player that's in consideration, whether he plays in game week four or not. Between his production and what we saw from Messi Lingard last season, the second attacking threat at West Ham when Antonio is fit is going to haul for FPL. So he's a player that I'm definitely considering. So to be able to bring in him as well as Rafinha, two players who I think are both clearly undervalued currently, um, you know, I think that's a really good way to uh, turn kind of your your lemons into lemonade, so to speak. Yeah, and then I don't waste a transfer on Veltman, who I think he's going to come straight into the side once he's healthy. So, And they have easy fixtures for Brighton. And I just, again, I don't want to make defensive transfers if I can avoid it, especially for these budget options. I don't mind, you know, moving my team around to bring in Trent or bring in Rabo if they're just balling out. But to move a 4.5 to a 4.5 is just, ugh, it's, it's, it's not sexy for sure. So those are a couple of things I'm, I'm, uh, you know, weighing up and thank you bucks for being my, my therapist, both on the podcast offline, you know, IRL, I, I, I do appreciate it. I, I need one. Yeah, last last point just on transfer news. We both have the Liverpool triple up, but as we mentioned earlier in the episode, Jota is definitely a player that should be in your thoughts if you don't have him in your squad and you don't have three Liverpool players. I think there's a lot of smart FPL managers who will be jumping off players that I love, such as Mason Mount at 7.5 and going straight on to Jota, or even players that are more expensive, like uh, Jack Grealish, Kevin De Bruyne is coming back. There are players that are more expensive than Jota right now that are not as clinical and are not delivering at the same pace that he is. So Jota needs to be, you need to have three Liverpool players. It doesn't matter how you get there, but Jota should be in your serious considerations and for sure on your watch list. Yeah, and in the crazy situation where Salah misses a game, Jota is going to be starting at striker. No no doubt about that. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So you know, good luck to everybody with their tinkering. Um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Please follow us both on social media and, um, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, Bucks, anything else for the fans this game week? Great podcast, Brian. Thank you everyone for giving us a listen. You can find us at FPL Blues Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And listen, we hope you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or Anchor. But really, wherever you listen to podcasts, we hope you just smash that follow, subscribe button. And we look forward to speaking you through each game week and giving you the news you need to have a most successful FPL season. Thanks, everyone. Hey, Bucks, I'm considering this a road W. I'm glad we made this happen. You're out in L.A. on vacation. Have a good time with your family. I'm out in the Midwest hanging out, seeing family, too. So best of luck to everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll catch you all soon.